XX podcast. Let's get intimate. I'm your host, Sasha Laurie, bringing you another special episode from our Change Makers edition. While in the past, we've strictly interviewed researchers, academics, and PhDs in the field, we'll now also be bringing you interviews with founders, coaches, authors, and anyone else who dedicates themselves to helping us change the way we live our relationships. We'll be launching the new series in the new year, but as a sneak peek, we're bringing you our very first episode this week before we sign off for the holidays. Have a great holiday. Cherish the simple pleasures, the small moments. Try to value being present over material presence. And we'll see you back here in the new year with some more exciting new announcements from your friends at BBXX. On today's show, our guest is Mike Sagoon, a men's coach and founder of The Unshakable Man an organization focused on men's total health and wellness, success, purpose, and fulfillment. Their mission states, we believe a man must be introduced to various perspectives, experiences, and ideas in order to discover new and different ways of being a man. This is how a man challenges his sense of self and becomes unshakable. So you mentioned earlier in your coaching how one of your goals is to help people live their best mm-hmm. life. So while we are, you know, going through definitions <laughs> here, I'd love to know how you would define living your best life. Mm. The first thing that comes up to me is acceptance of like, this is where I am and this is where I need to be. Living your best life is accepting what is in front of you accepting where your life is right Mm -hmm. now. And that doesn't mean that we don't need to make changes or that we need to be challenged or that we need to shift a little bit. Part of living your best life is accepting that you need to make some shifts and some challenges and you need to accept these challenges and move through these challenges. I also feel like living your best life is having healthy relationships is being fulfilled in your work. Mm -hmm. It is having a clear understanding of the direction that you want to head in and also being satisfied with, with what it is that you have. And it's not reaching out for more cars or more friends or uh, for me, more plants. (laughs) I'm such, I'm I'm such a plant whore. I always need more plants, but, um, but it's really accepting that this one plant for me is enough or, uh, this car that I have right now is enough for me right now. And so I think we can get stuck, especially with social media and like the new, like social media telling you like, Hey, look at all these people that are living their best life. They're all smiles and shit. And like, you could even like, look at my, I'm, I'm, yo, I am, but guess what? I am totally guilty of that. Right. Like look at my fucking Instagram feed. I'm like all smiles and shit on there. Right. But, but I will own, I will own right now that I am living my fucking best life. I am fulfilled. I am satisfied. I have healthy relationships. I have a beautiful, beautiful relationship with my husband. I am constantly being challenged. I am constantly um, shifting and growing. 
that doesn't mean that I don't feel stress, right? It doesn't mean that I don't feel loneliness. It doesn't mean that I don't feel sadness or anger. What it means is that I acknowledge that I have these feelings, I accept them, and I allow them to just be. And that to me is like living my best life, is that this is this is what I have in front of me, and this is what I'm going to accept. I think a really important thing I understood from that was acceptance without complacency. Mm-hmm. So it's that reflecting, accepting, understanding, but without simply allowing it to be that or enabling the continuation or unhealthy cycles. It's with the intention to change, the intention to learn and push yourself and grow and to improve and to be moving in the direction that you want to be going. And this is something that I've mentioned before, but only because it really stuck with me when somebody once asked, what percent of the time do you feel successful? And I said, maybe 20% of mm-hmm. the time and the other 80% of the time, like a, a failure. Mm-hmm. And then I paused and I, I asked them, well, what's your definition of success? And they said, being content with the amount of progress you're making in the direction that you want to go. Mm. And it, it was such, <laughs> I don't want to curse. It just astounded mm. me. And it almost made me angry to think, why has no one ever shared this life-changing piece of information with me before? Why is that not the definition that we live by? Because by that measure, the numbers are flipped. 80% of the time, I would say that by that standard, I feel, you know, I don't even like the word success. I don't want to use it, but I am accepting and, you know, not necessarily complacent with I want it to be better but I understand that it is the best I can do and that 80% of the time I am doing the best I can do to move in the direction that I want to be going and there's that 20% left for improvement and to push myself and so I think the same kind of goes for for living our best life and not as you mentioned misplacing uh, judgments or anger onto other things it's through that understanding and also you mentioned social media and I don't want to go on a rant, (laughs) but part of the process is being open about the fact that living your best life has nothing to do with not having. Right. Right. In any way, you know, you can be depressed, you can have severe anxiety, but it's the way that you cope with them. It's the way that you integrate them into your life. It's the way that you don't let that, affect others in a negative way by projecting onto them or blaming, etc. It's the way that you are kind of constantly learning and, and growing and trying to improve and connect deeper with right. others. And so I'm I'm glad that on your social media at least you are open because sometimes I don't understand how people don't know that Instagram is just a privately curated art gallery. Yeah. And it's really great to have people share pretty pictures and where they look happy and great. But it's also so important to understand that everything in life is filtered, not just social media, stories we tell, emails we send, 
everything is filtered. Even just, it's not putting whatever filter Instagram has on your photo. It's the fact that probably a hundred of them were taken and only one was chosen. The, the filtering beforehand is even greater than that that is actually done on the platform right. itself. Yeah, I mean, we have a tendency to edit our words and edit things that we say. And, and that's also like not our fault. Growing up, like it, I always had to watch what I said. And of course, like we had to watch what we say because we don't want to hurt people. But that also, that also taught me that in moments where I felt angry or I felt lonely, that I couldn't say that out loud. I couldn't express to someone that I was feeling lonely or that I was, mm -hmm. I felt sad or I felt angry because it made other people feel uncomfortable, specifically my parents, right? If I told my parents that, Hey, like I'm angry right now, they would teach me to hide it. Mm -hmm. And so I learned at a young age yeah. to edit my feelings, to edit how I felt. And that's a disservice to me. That is not me living my best self. That is not me serving who I am as a person. And if I'm not serving who I am as a person, then how can I serve other people? Look at my Facebook or my Instagram feed, y'all. Like, yes, there's a lot of smiles on there, but I also talk a lot about my loneliness and the anger that I feel and the sadness that I feel um, and the challenges that I have in my life. And they're all real. Those are real challenges that I have. And I think, as you mentioned, that learning to, to self-edit outwardly, but I think we also do it. Mm -hmm. You know, people edit the stories that they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned earlier your creating a purpose statement mm -hmm. and the one that you created in the beginning of your journey to becoming a coach. And so I'd love to know how you would explain to some of our listeners how they could design their own purpose yeah. and how to employ that and use that. In yeah. I think we, you know, one of the m most common things that guys come to me for is like, they don't know what the hell they want in their life. And they've like lived this entire life of like meeting other people's expectations, mostly their parents and then finding themselves in their thirties or even forties. And like, they're like, what the hell was I doing? Why am I doing this? And they've just like gone through the motions of doing what they thought they needed to do and then come to this place of emptiness. And I always ask in my consultation calls, um, what do you want and what is your purpose? And majority of the time, they don't know what they want and they don't know what their purpose is. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you, so my purpose, my, my coach, Marla, my very first coach, Marla, pushed me to write a, a purpose statement and I was totally resistant to it because I did not believe that this was going to get me anything in my life. Uh, and so she pushed me to do it and I did my homework. I was a stubborn student and I did it anyways. And we took two set, two coaching sessions to craft a purpose statement that really resonated with me. And the moment that I said my purpose statement, I felt, Oh, that feels right. That feels different in my body. Mm -hmm. The purpose statement that I came up with is, and it's still my purpose statement today, is I create safe spaces for men to think deeply about themselves and to live authentically. And she told me, use this as your mantra every morning when you wake up and use it as your mantra before you go to bed. And mm -hmm. she said, that's all you need to do. Just do that 
And I was like, wait, we don't need to set any goals or like have to do this. And she was like, no, just do that. Like you'll figure it out. And literally Sasha, like I'd said this for months and months and months. And because I have this purpose statement, I knew what direction I needed to head in. A purpose statement is, it was, your it was my star North star. It was kind of direct. Everything. Right. It was my internal GPS, right? It was like guiding me to, to a destination. And, and the beautiful thing about a purpose statement is, is that you might take a wrong turn. You might take the wrong exit. You might even get detoured, but guess what? Your internal GPS is going to get you back on the path. It might take you a little bit longer, but it's okay because it will reroute you back to that path. But if you don't have a destination or if you don't have a purpose, if you don't know where you're going, then you're just walking around aimlessly. You're taking the wrong exits or you're just sitting in traffic and you're just waiting for that destination to come to you. And that's not how it works. I do this powerful exercise with, um, with my clients and Ikigai is, uh, in Japanese, it, it literally means translated. It means the reason for being. And oh my God, that's there crazy. is a community wow. of Okinawans in Japan who are known for having the most people that live past a hundred. And if you look at pictures of these people in past their hundreds, they are vibrant. They are lovely. They are the best Instagram feed in the world. They are just so <laughs> lively. Um, and they attribute their longevity to healthy communities, healthy friendships, eating well, moving their body, and their ikigai or their reason for being. The reason for being is made up of four things what you're good at, what you love to do, what the world needs, and what you can be rewarded for or how you can be paid for doing it. And at the center of this is your ikigai. It is your reason for being. And so if I look at my life and I lay out all the things that I've done, all the things that I love doing, my careers, uh, all the people that I've helped, and I think about what I think the world needs, And what I know that I can get paid for, what is at the center of this is my coaching practice. I am really good with working with people. I connect well with people. I especially know how to connect with men. I love, love coaching. I love being, I love listening to people. And I also love challenging people. Uh, What the world needs? Well, for me, it's, we need more healthy men. We need more emotionally fit men to help serve the rest of the world. And what I can be paid for doing this is I coach, right? That is my career. That is my, that is my job. If you do yourself an exercise of listing all the things that you love, all the things that you're good at, what the world needs and what you can be paid for doing that, you'll find some commonalities. And in the center of this Venn diagram is going to be your Ikigai your purpose. That's amazing. I love that trying to help people understand what you want and what your purpose is. You mentioned Japan and the centenarians and Sardinia, an island in Italy, similarly has a high number, but I think it's mostly also the ratio of centenarians to the general population mm. um, in, in such a small and concentrated place. 
And studies have shown that a huge part of being able to age, but also stay healthy, et cetera, so much of it has to do with community mm-hmm. and with having social support networks um, and closeness and connection. Mm-hmm. And that in a place such as Sardinia, there's more time spent sharing meals and in the company of friends and family, and you're more closely tied to people and you more organically and, you know, with effort as well, but you're more often seeing people and being around other people versus in a culture such as the U.S. uh, or other places where it's more disconnected or you really have to put forth the effort to spend time with people and it's never as much time nor as much quality time. And so just having those social networks be such a huge part of health and happiness. Yeah, I mean, creating community is is so, so important. And um, this mentality um, of the lone wolf, you know, this like lone wolf mentality or this mm-hmm. mythology, it is just a myth, right? Mm-hmm. Like we weren't meant mm-hmm. to go at life alone. That's not how we survived as humans. That's not how we became like top of the food chain, right? Like we weren't doing... All this, we weren't doing the hunting and the agriculture all by ourselves. We had a whole community involved. And what happened with, with our society was we went from a farming community from where young, young boys were out in the fields with their fathers. Uh, they're out hunting with their fathers to this industrialized revolution where the fathers were going off and working in factories and these young boys were left to their own. And then we've evolved into this tech. Uh, culture where people are moving all over the country, moving away from their families because of jobs, right? Moving away from their communities because of jobs. And so we start to see that people are now migrating away from the center, from their center, um, because of their own needs or their own, their own ideals. And what that promotes many times is it promotes loneliness and and it promotes this lone wolf mentality of like, I can do this by myself and I'm going to get through this by myself. And what's, what's also very scary is it to to tie into the, the men's mental health statistics is that 75% of men who commit suicide don't actually have a known mental health issue. One, because maybe they, they've never asked for help and they don't know what it is, but also maybe they just Mm -hmm. don't know that, they, that they feel like this is the only way out. And that's so scary because we are creatures that need people in our lives. And, um, and I think this is also why this, this quote unquote men's movement, this men's work movement is, um, exploding right now. Uh, where more and more guys are being drawn to communities of men where we can share intimacy and be affectionate with each other and we could talk and listen to each other because this is kind of new for us in this generation. Men talking to other men and holding space for other men, that's totally new. And when, when we step into this for the first time and we have the opportunity to be heard by another man, that creates new pathways in our heart, new pathways in our brain to that teaches us, oh, this is okay. And this feels good. That's the main thing there. Like this feels so good to talk about this kind of stuff. 
And that happens when we have community, when we have trusted people around us that we can talk to. Because of science and because of medicine, we are, we are going to live, we are going to be the, the longest living generation, right? We, we are going to be like the average lifespan is going to be like 90 and 100 for us. But what's, what's ingrained in that, what we need to continue to mix in that is a healthy community of people that we can talk to, that we can be with, that we can just be. There's this, do you know um, Blood Orange, the musician Blood Orange? beautiful he he produced for um solange but he has a track on one of his albums of a woman just talking about um chosen family and this has been a really strong topic for me lately uh, because i have a strong chosen family a group of people that i turn to often Mm -hmm. who love me and see me and what she says on this track is that the definition of family is being able to sit in space with other people, be completely uninhibited without any judgment, without any, uh, you could, you could not have any kind of dialogue or discourse. You can just be, and you can sit with these people mm-hmm. and it feels like love and it feels warm and it feels okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what community is, is being able to just be with people. You don't even have to say a word, but you just know that there's belonging there that there's connection and that there's love. And that, that is the antidote to loneliness. The antidote to loneliness is connection. We don't need any medicines. We don't need any antidepressants for that. What we need is more trusted people in our life that we could turn to, that will love us, that will see us. You mentioned that when men come to you, they often don't know what it is that they want and what it is, you know, what their purpose is. But I'm wondering what some of the most common questions they're asking are, because that might be what, you know, they're unknowingly seeking or perhaps knowingly, but I imagine sometimes they don't even realize they don't know that or need that. And so how would their needs or desires be expressed as questions and curiosities? And what is it that men are often coming to you and actually asking on a surface level. Yeah. One of the the biggest questions that I get is, am I living the life of my own or am I living the life of others? Like, am I living other people's dreams? Mm -hmm. And I ask, what do you want? Because it's a really tough question for people to answer. Many people don't know what they want. Mm -hmm. But if I ask the, the inverse of that, which is, what don't you want? They immediately know. They immediately go, I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be insecure. I don't want to um, have unhealthy relationships. I don't want my partner and I to be in this this muck. I don't want to be in this workforce. I don't want to be doing this career anymore. Like like they could just go off on and on and on and on about what they don't want, right? And that's such a powerful question because then it gives them, it, it shines light on, okay, cool. Now you actually do know what you want. You want a career where you feel fulfilled. You want healthy relationships. You want to be in a relationship with your partner that is loving and non-judgmental, where both of you support each other. And and that is what you want. Okay, cool. Like let's work on that. Let's get there. But you know, you know, I think 
what what makes the I what do you want question really hard is feeling disconnected to who you are as a person. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally, because I think there's one thing to be said for feeling disconnected from other people and how much that can affect somebody, but there's even more so or or just as much to be said for feeling disconnected from yourself mm-hmm. and how that can be kind of the underlying reason behind the disconnection from other people. And it's having that internal yeah. GPS, that, that North Star, that guide. Yeah. And so I think that that does make sense. I forgot to mention earlier when you said the the suicide rates that there are certain gender differences between rates of heart attack and stroke between men and women and, you know, the severity of symptoms. But there is also a differentiator in the likelihood of reporting Mm -hmm. symptoms between men and women. And that can lead to men suffering more fatalities from things that could have been avoidable were they willing to have asked for yes. help and report pain and report right. needing somebody and needing yeah. care and attention. Yeah. One of my um, one of my dearest, dearest and deepest friends suffered a heart attack and didn't know. He went a whole day and a half, went to work, felt the symptoms immediately when he woke up, mm-hmm. went to work, did work, even went to um, a dinner that night he was still feeling off the next day he worked half the day and finally his wife was like you need to go check your blood pressure out he checked his blood pressure and yeah. and at a, like a Walgreens and they were like oh my god you need to yeah. go to the emergency room right now like he was suffering yeah. a minor heart attack and he didn't even he didn't even know like he like he didn't know how to ask for help right he also didn't know that those were the yeah. symptoms I think part of that is we as men, we don't tap into our bodies as often. We don't know how to feel our bodies. We don't know how to like do a body scan and say, okay, cool. What's normal here and what's abnormal here or what feels off. This is part of like what we teach at every man at the unshakable man in my coaching practices. Like let's first tap into your body and just like name the sensations that you feel. You don't have to attach an emotion, but just name the sensations that you feel so that you can have physical body awareness. And that will teach you mm-hmm. emotional awareness. That'll teach you what emotions you're, you're feeling. But first, let's just tap into your body. What do you feel physically? And the importance too of having somebody to turn to, to confide in, or even just to consult and perhaps not just limited to your romantic mm-hmm. partner. You know, if in a case of a straight male, not just having your partner who is female to turn to, um, having other men, other people who are close, one, so your partner probably can't be everything, definitely can't be everything you're Mm -hmm. ever going to need. And also for something in the case of, you know, health, even just something as basic as being able to ask somebody else who shares the same anatomy as you mm-hmm. what is normal what is not just having other people to confide in do whether it be you know for physical or emotional health and support yeah as we get ready to to kind of close up i'd love to know how you think things 
with the the men's movement and you know what it means to be a man and all of this how do you think things have gotten better and or worse mm. so i think what's gotten better is more and more men are realizing that there are more resources out there for them there are more men's organizations that have the mission to help men feel more connected to themselves and to others i f- i also feel that more and more men are accepting who they are and realizing that mm-hmm. they are flawed they can't do it alone and that they need help i also see a strong community of men feeling deeply deeply connected to other men and it isn't it isn't this competition anymore where um you know men feel like they have to compete with other men but actually it's more of a community of abundance it isn't it isn't this scarcity it's more of a how can we serve each other how can we help each other and so i am starting to see more and more and more men's coaches more men's organizations that are Mm-hmm. essentially teaching the same kinds of values that I have for myself in my own coaching practice and organizations that I work with that men need connection in their life men need to feel more connected to who they are they need to feel more connected to their families to their partners they need to feel more connected to their work and when when we can start to feel more connected with ourselves and and to everything else around us that really benefits everyone else that really does serve everyone else and it and it does serve our world i think where we where it gets tricky is questions like what does it mean to be a man and different people's definition of what it means to be a man right there's certainly people who i disagree with um who are on the social media influencer track who are they still have this um archaic view of what it means to be a man. Um I also follow guys that are like part of the red pill movement and the incel movement and frankly it just fucking disgusts me. If you haven't done any research on them like prepare yourself and look into the red pill movement. What? I don't even know what the red pill movement. Yeah, is. look into it. So they it's it Oh, okay. Ah. Yeah. I can already tell I'm not. You no, know, you're not going to like it. it. You're not going to like it. And so there's that side of it, right? Um and so that that frightens me, but the reality is is like I am I'm here to do my work and my work is to love and to serve and to help as many men as I can in a loving and non-judgmental way. That's what my purpose is. That's an incredible purpose. It's an incredible Iki guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um I one of my last questions was going to be, you know, what do you think men today need and what is your hope for them? But I think you kind of answered it there in a beautiful way talking mm-hmm. about connection. And I think that we all need that and that is an incredible and such a valuable hope and goal for any and all of us to have in our lives. And really what we should be centered around in terms of our our North Star, our internal GPS should be guided by connection. And the work we need to do is the understanding of ourselves mm-hmm. in order to allow that, in order to be able to achieve 
and create and kind of care for and cultivate those connections. Yeah. Before we end, I have just a couple. I've never done a rapid fire, but I wrote Mm. a couple. I just wanted to do this as an exercise to to test it out. So here we go. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Sunrise yoga or dancing till sunrise? Dancing till sunrise. Drink of choice? Martini. Hugs or kisses? Kisses. Sex or intimacy? Intimacy. Nature versus nurture. Nature. Who is your hero? Who? <laughs> Who is a? Oh wow! Um, Kevin Lassett. What kind of dog would you a be? Pit bull. Something you're excited for in the next year? Retreats. And your favorite tough question? What's most important to you? I mean, <laughs> how'd I do? <laughs> Yay! You did well. Okay, so this one is you just say it's association. You just say the first word that comes to mind. Okay. Okay, ready? Okay. Culture. Filipino. Sex. Love. Love. Butt sex. <laughs> you. Strong. <laughs> Beautiful. Man. Lover. Being a man. Empathetic. Change. Transformation. Hope. Fuck yes. BBXX. Changing the world. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, so like, fun. God, I, like, I was it. like, oh my God, this is like, that. I, I felt m- more nervous in that than I did like this entire morning. <laughs> There's a lot of pressure there. It's amazing. It's That's tough. tough. I mean... It's high. Space. Well, yeah, and and, and also high there's space. like I'm like the 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 thing that popped up on my head. I'm like, oh my god, I am so vulgar and I am inappropriate and like and like the whole thing of like editing myself came up in my head and like I was starting to feel insecure about that. <laughs> and then you're like, don't. And then, edit. Yeah, and, then, and then don't I was like, oh, if I get butt sex. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Thank you so much for your amazing choices and associations. Thank you. And all the thoughts and reflections that you've shared with us today. This has been truly wonderful. And I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation and especially hearing from our listeners kind of their thoughts and reflections that come out. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sasha. Thank you so much. The BBXX podcast, Let's Get Intimate, is produced by Sasha Laurie in Berkeley, California. Dialogue, narrative, and content crafting by Amy Soper. Audio editing, good music vibes, and sound mixing, Daniel Herrera. You can learn more on our website or on our social media at bbxx.world. And if you believe in what we're doing, please do help spread the love by sharing this with someone you care about. Until next time. Bye.